Chapter 8 of The Life and Adventures of James P. Beckworth by Thomas D. Bonner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Ullman. Unexpected Return to the Rocky Mountains. Camp Removed. Final Success in Finding Our Party in the Mountains. Joyful Meeting. Horses Stolen by the Punnak Indians. A Battle and six indians killed we recapture our horses i had been in st louis only one week when general ashley came to me and desired me to return to the mountains immediately to carry dispatches to mr w l sublet captain of the trappers and offering me the magnificent sum of one thousand dollars for the trip i consented to go la roche and pello were to accompany me a journey to the mountains was then called 2,000 miles through a country considered dangerous even for an army. I left St. Louis this time with extreme reluctance. It is a severe trial to leave one's friends, but the grief of separating from father and all other relatives sank into insignificance when contrasted with the misery of separating from one in particular, one in whom all my affections were reposed, and upon whom all my hopes of the future were concentrated. The contemplation of the anguish I was about to inflict by the announcement filled my heart with sorrow. One week more, and the happy event that would make one of two loving hearts would have been consummated. The general's business was urgent, and admitted of no delay. After I had engaged, not a day, scarcely an hour was to be lost. The thousand dollars I was to receive looked large in my eyes, and that added to what I had already possessed, the better prepare me for a matrimonial voyage. I comforted myself with the reflection that my services were confined to the mere delivering of the dispatches, that service performed, I was free to return immediately. I bid my aged father farewell. It was the last time I saw him. To my other friends, I said cheerfully, au revoir, expecting to return to them shortly. But my greatest conflict was to come. I had encountered perils, privation, and faced death itself. I had fought savages and the wild beasts of the mountains, but to approach this tender heart that had been affianced to my own for years unmanned me. That heart that was then so light, so buoyant with hope, so full of confidence in the future, that I must plunge in other darkness by the intelligence that in a few short hours I must leave her. Could I have communicated it to her by fighting a score of Indians? How much my pain would have been mitigated. But the time was urgent, and the sacred obligation to the lady must be performed. I called out my sweetheart. She looked more lovely than ever. She remarked my troubled looks. James, she said, you look saddened. What is the matter? Are you unwell? No, Eliza, I am well, but... But what, James? What has happened? Speak. Knowing that I had no time for delay, I felt it my duty to break the news to her at once. My dear girl, I said, I have loved you long and ardently. I have waited to see if the affection which you shared with me in childhood would stand the proof of maturer years we are now both matured in years and are capable of judging our own hearts 
through all my sufferings and dangers my devotion to you has grown with my growth and strengthened with my strength we have decided on the day for our indissolvable union but eliza i am yet young my means of supporting you as i could wish are inadequate i have just received a very tempting offer from general ashley what to do james he offers me one thousand dollars to carry dispatches to the mountains which admits of my immediate return and are you going that is what i have come to inform you eliza understand my motive it is solely to obtain the means to enable us to start the fairer in life i care not for the money james she said bursting into a flood of tears my heart sought relief from its overcharged feelings in the same way i left her amid her sobs promising to make a speedy return and that we would part no more till death should separate us the general had furnished us with two good saddle horses each and one stout mule to carry our bedding we mounted and leaving st louis were soon some miles on our journey we proceeded up the missouri river left the last white settlement and issued out into the wilderness we proceeded with the utmost caution always halting before dark we built a fire and ate our supper then moving on farther to a secure camping place we lit no fire to avoid attracting the indians to us on arriving at the forks of the platte we held a council and resolved to follow up the north branch to its source thence cross over to green river thus striking it much higher up than we had ever been on the stream before we proceeded accordingly crossed green river and held our course to the head of salt river here we found a party belonging to the general's company winter was now beginning to set in and it was time for the whole company to go into winter quarters as nearly as i can recollect this was the end of october eighteen twenty three a place of rendezvous had been previously agreed upon and as it was certain that the various parties would soon assemble i concluded to proceed to the rendezvous and wait the arrival of sublet for the delivery of my dispatches rather than undertake a search for him in the mountain wilderness i and my companions therefore continued with the party until we reached the rendezvous the parties one after the other came slowly in and sublet's was the last to arrive it was now too late for me to return i had no alternative but to wait until spring we accordingly moved to the mouth of the weaver's fork and established ourselves there when all were collected together for the winter our community numbered from six to seven hundred souls from two to three hundred consisting of women and children all strong and healthy as bears and all having experienced very good success shortly after we had become well settled down we had the misfortune to lose about eighty horses stolen one dark stormy night by the punaks a tribe inhabiting the headwaters of the columbia river on missing them the next day we formed a party of about forty men and followed their trail on foot the ground was covered with snow at the time i volunteered with the rest although fortunately my horses were not among the missing 
After a pursuit of five days, we arrived at one of their villages, where we saw our own horses among a number of others. We then divided our forces, Fitzpatrick taking command of one party and a James Bridger of the other. The plan resolved upon was as follows. Fitzpatrick was to charge the Indians and cover Bridger's party, while they stampeded all the horses they could get away with. I formed one of Captain Bridge's parties, this being the first affair of the kind I had ever witnessed. Everything being in readiness, we rushed in upon the horses and stampeded from two to three hundred, Fitzpatrick at the same time engaging the Indians, who numbered from three to four hundred. The Indians recovered a great number of the horses from us, but we succeeded in getting off with the number of our own missing and forty heads besides. In the engagement, six of the enemy were killed and scalped, while not one of our party received a scratch. The horses we had captured were very fine ones, and our return to the camp was greeted with the liveliest demonstrations. We found, on our return from the above marauding expedition, an encampment of Snake Indians to the number of 600 lodges, comprising about 2,500 warriors. They had entirely surrounded us with their encampments, adding very materially to our present population. They were perfectly friendly, and we apprehended no danger from their proximity. It appears that this was their usual resort for spending the winter, and after pitching their lodges, which are composed of skins, they proceeded to build a large medicine lodge. The word medicine, or as they call it, barchek parchek, signifies a prophet or dreamer and is synonymous with the word prophet, as employed in the Old Testament. The Indian form of government is a theocracy, and the medicine man is the high priest. His dreams or prophecies are sacred. If his predictions are not verified in the result, the fault is with themselves. They had disregarded some of his instructions. When by accident his dreams are exactly verified, their confidence in their prophet exceeds all belief. The medicine lodge is the tabernacle of the wilderness the habitation of the great spirit and the sacred ark of their faith our long residence with the snake tribe afforded us an excellent opportunity of acquainting ourselves with the domestic character of the indians they often invited us into their medicine lodge to witness their religious ceremonies and listen to their prophesying the name of the old prophet was Omogwa, which in English means woman's dress. One evening he delivered a prophecy for us. I can see, said he, white people on a big shell, Platte River. I see them boring a hole in a red bucket. I see them drawing out medicine water, whiskey. I see them fighting each other. But fate sublet has gone down on the other side of the river he does not see them he has gone to the white lodges where are you going we are going answered fitzpatrick to trap on bearhead and the other small streams in the country of the blackfeet 
No, said the prophet, you will go to Sheep Mountain. There you will find the snow so deep that you cannot pass. You will then go down Port Neef to Snake River. If you are fortunate, you will discover the Blackfeet before they see you, and you will beat them. If they discover you first, they will rub you all out, kill you all. Bad hand, Fitzpatrick, I tell you there is blood in your path this grass. If you beat the Blackfeet, you will retrace your steps and go to Bear River, whose water you will follow until you come to Sage River. There you will meet two men who will give you news. To return to my narrative, Mr. Sublet, having left the camp in company with my old companion, Mr. Harris, before we returned, had left a letter of instructions for Fitzpatrick, desiring him to remove our camp as early in the spring as possible back to Ketch Valley and to repair to Weaver's Lake, where he would rejoin him. Sublet and Harris had parted for St. Louis, which they reached in safety after a journey in midwinter. We spent the winter very comfortably, and at the opening of spring we all moved, whites and Indians, back to Ketch Valley. Soon after we arrived, we commenced digging catches to secure the 75 packs of beaver skins in the possession of our party. While digging a catch, in the bank, the earth caved in, killing two of our party, who were Canadians. The Indians claimed the privilege of burying them, which ceremony they performed by hoisting them up in trees. This has ever been the method of disposing of the dead with most, if not all, of the Rocky Mountain tribes. The body is securely wrapped in blankets and robes, fastened with thongs, in which are enclosed the war implements, pipes, and tobacco of the deceits. If he had been a warrior, his war horses killed and buried, together with his saddle and other implements, at the foot of the same tree. One more accident occurred, which at first occasioned us considerable alarm before we quitted the Cat Valley on our excursion. One of our men was out hunting and coming across an antelope, as he supposed, fired at the animal's head and killed it. On going to cut the animal's throat, to his surprise, he found that he had killed one of the snake Indians who had put on this disguise to decoy the antelopes near him. This was an accident that we deeply lamented, as the snakes were very friendly towards us. Before the Indians discovered the accident, we held a council and resolved to make a precipitate retreat, as we felt very distrustful of the consequences. While we were preparing to start, the chief came among us and was greatly surprised at our sudden departure, especially as we had given him no previous notice. We excused ourselves by saying we were going to engage in hunting and trapping. He then asked what ailed us, saying we all looked terrified and wished to know what had happened. Fitzpatrick at length told him what had taken place and how it came to pass. Oh, said the chief, if that is what you are alarmed at, take off your packs and stay. The Indian was a fool to use a decoy when he knew the antelope came into the stage every day and that the white men shoot all they see. He then made a speech to his warriors. 
telling them what had happened and ordered some of his men to bring in the dead indian then turning to us he said you and the snakes are brothers we are all friends we cannot at all times guard against accidents you lost two of your warriors in the bank the snakes have just lost one give me some red cloth to wrap up the body we will bury the fallen brave we gave the chief a scarlet blanket as he desired and all was well again End of chapter 8 Recording by Gary Ullman